Hi there, and welcome to the very first podcast of On Air with Clean Air Council. I'm your host today, Katie Edwards. With me, I have our Executive Director and Chief Counsel, Joe Minot, and Special Events Director, Bobby Safransky. If you aren't familiar with Clean Air Council, we are a nonprofit organization protecting everyone's right to a healthy environment. Joe here is going to introduce you to the council and our work. Hi, Joe. How are you doing today? Hi, Katie. You look great in your mask. How are you doing? Thanks. I'm doing great. I'm excited to kick off this podcast. I'm excited, too. So let's get started. Joe, can you tell us how Clean Air Council was formed? Yes, I certainly can. It was formed in 1967. So just to put it in perspective, that was before the first Earth Day. It was before most of the environmental laws, such as the Clean Air Act, had been passed. It was formed by a group of academics and health advocates and concerned residents that believed that too little was being done to connect air pollution and its health impacts to residents of the greater Philadelphia area. What was the state of environmentalism at the time? Well, so back in the 60s, there was already a fairly strong, uh, what we call conservation movement, that is preserving open spaces, uh, national parks, and that kind of thing. But it wasn't until scientists like Rachel Carson uh, alerted the American public to the fact that chemicals were being produced fairly uh, broadly throughout our environment that affected not only local ecosystems, but, but public health. What was the political climate like? It was an exciting time. The, the mid-60s were a turbulent time uh, in the United States. There was the ongoing civil rights movement. There was the anti-war movement. Uh, and there was a growing distrust of government that was exacerbated by the Watergate scandal in the early 1970s. It was also a period of great optimism where young people especially were committed to social change and social justice. Three years after the council was formed, for instance, the first Earth Day was celebrated in Philadelphia. It actually uh, took a whole week, but uh, the Clean Air Council was very involved in that. And the Federal Clean Air Act, which I think is one of the all-time great public health protection laws, uh, was, was passed. And the Clean Air Council was involved in that too. So what was Clean Air Council's mission back then, and how has it evolved? At the time it was created, uh, the council's focus was on bad air quality in the Delaware Valley airshed that covered southern New Jersey, southeastern Pennsylvania, and the state of Delaware. The council also worked with city council in Philadelphia to adopt its first air pollution law called the Air Management Code. The mission of the council expanded over the years to broad air pollution issues at the local, state, and federal level. The council is active in working with impacted communities to help them develop the skills they need to advocate uh, for improvements in their community. How did you first join Clean Air Council, and what has your journey been? So I joined the Clean Air Council right out of law school in 1982. I was hired as the staff attorney, and it was a very exciting time. Uh, we were The Clean Air Council was already involved in litigation against the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, 
uh, to force them to implement a uh, automobile inspection and maintenance program. Uh, this was also a time where we worked with the city of Philadelphia and the state to develop their own environmental laws and regulations. So it was a time of great change. So it was pretty, pretty exciting. What have been some of the council's most notable victories? I think the Clean Air Council has had a lot of, of amazing victories. Uh, the one that is probably nearest and dearest to my heart is when we forced the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania to have cars tested for their emissions to make sure that they weren't overly polluting. We haven't always won the lawsuits that we have filed, but we've always made our concerns very clear. And over time, those concerns have been incorporated in laws at the local, state, or federal level. And that certainly made me feel good. Right now, we're doing a fair amount of litigation around the expansion of the natural gas industry in Pennsylvania. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you're doing to protect Pennsylvanians against pollution from that industry? Yes. Unlike other states, Pennsylvania never took the time to figure out what the dangers were in expanding the natural gas industry in Pennsylvania. New York, for instance, looked at what the public health impact and ecological impact would be and decided not to move forward with natural gas production in New York. The Clean Air Council attorneys and engineers and community organizers have been spending a lot of time to make sure that the natural gas industry obeys the laws of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. They have a remarkably poor record and the state has been reluctant to use its full power to enforce environmental laws. And when the state won't do it, the Clean Air Council is more than glad to step in and force the industry to obey the law. I'm also particularly proud of the community organizing that the Clean Air Council does. We have community organizers throughout Pennsylvania, and we often hire community organizers that live in the impacted community which gives them a credibility that maybe an outside organization would not. We work with community residents to help them become local activists, and we give them the skills to hold elected officials accountable. So with all the great work the council does, how has its mission changed over the years? Well, the good news is there's growing support from the public for addressing air, water, and climate pollution. Unfortunately, elected officials are not where the public is at. Voters care about the environment, but it is rarely their number one issue when they go to vote. In the last presidential debate, for instance, four years ago, I do not recall the candidates being asked one question about the environment. There is a growing anti-environmental movement right now in the United States. It's often funded by polluting industries, and it encourages Americans and their leaders to ignore science. We see that most prominently in the issue of climate change. For instance, the leader of the Pennsylvania House Committee on Energy and the Environment is a climate denier. That is really discouraging in terms of needing to develop the programs that we have to in order to protect us from the worst impacts of climate change. So it sounds like environmentalism has changed a lot. There's a lot of places where we've made progress, but unfortunately there's also some places where we're losing ground. 
What is PA's role in the environmental conversation today? That's a really good question. Uh, Pennsylvania is a fossil fuel state. Oil was first discovered in Pennsylvania. Coal is iconic in Pennsylvania, uh, even though it's done legacy damage to public health and local ecosystems, as well as being a major contributor to climate change. Scientists are clear. We need to quickly decrease our carbon emissions in order to avoid the worst impacts of climate change. Climate change is already happening. Pennsylvania is already being damaged by climate change. And yet, instead of promoting solutions to reduce carbon emissions, many Pennsylvania leaders want to increase subsidies for the natural gas industry. That makes no sense at all. If there's going to be subsidies, they should go to promote energy efficiency, wind, and solar. Our elected leaders should be working with labor leaders to figure out how to develop high-paying, skilled jobs in the coming green economy. Otherwise, Pennsylvania is going to be left behind. So with that being said, Joe, what is the council focused on right now? One of the primary focuses of the Clean Air Council in Pennsylvania is to prevent the expansion of natural gas infrastructure throughout the state. They have not been an ethical industry. They have ignored environmental laws. They have destroyed wetlands. They have poisoned people's drinking water. And the state has not done enough to hold them accountable. I believe that the natural gas industry has lost its social license to operate in Pennsylvania, and we should not be permitting it to continue to expand anywhere in Pennsylvania at this time. Really, what Pennsylvania should be doing is focusing on energy efficiency, solar, and wind, the type of energy that does not pollute and does not contribute to climate change. We also need to look at the transportation sector, which also is a major contributor to climate change, and develop programs and policies that can move goods and people around without contributing so much greenhouse gas pollution. We need to ensure that the federal, state, and local governments enforce environmental laws. The job of the agencies, whether it's the EPA at the federal level, DEP at the state level, or air management services in Philadelphia, is to protect public health and the environment. And all too often, especially at the federal and state level, they fail to do that. That sounds like a tremendous amount of work. What is the council focused on right now, and what does the future hold for Clean Air Council? It is a lot of work, but it is truly a labor of love. The Clean Air Council is really fortunate to have such a dedicated staff that works so hard to protect public health in Pennsylvania and Delaware, New York, and New Jersey. We are fully committed to working with residents throughout Pennsylvania to ensure that they are being protected from the gas industry, from the growing threat of climate change. 
from the systemic racism that contributes to environmental justice. But I'm proud to say the Clean Air Council staff is up to that task, and we will not give up. Let's broaden the subject a little bit. What is the future of environmental activism, and what issues are you most focused on in the future? I am by nature an optimist, so I see a positive future uh, in terms of the environmental movement. Young people are concerned about the environment. My generation has frankly let them down, and my legacy to the next generation is to help them understand where the threats are coming from, what the science needs to be, and how to hold elected officials accountable. I think the two priorities have to be forcing government to base environmental health policy on good science. Unfortunately, in the last four years, we've increasingly moved away from that. We need to get back to basing our policies on good science. The second is we need to recognize the systemic racism that is part of our society today. And that means we need to accept that low-income communities of color are more impacted by air and water pollution and climate change. And we need to find a way to address that issue so they are properly protected. Let's zoom in a little. What's the number one thing you want people to know about Clean Air Council? There's a lot of groups out there that are protecting the environment. As I said before, there's the conservation groups that are looking to protect the great vistas that we have throughout the United States. But the Clean Air Council is a slightly different type of organization. We are a public health environmental advocacy organization. And our number one priority is to work with impacted communities. We have the engineers, we have the community organizers, we have the lawyers, we have the environmental health educators to advocate for good environmental policies at all levels of government. We have the ability to work with community residents throughout Pennsylvania, Delaware, or in New Jersey or New York to help them improve the quality of life and the environment in their community. And we're prepared to do that. Hopefully we've motivated some of our listeners to get active. How can people get involved and do their part to protect everyone's right to a healthy environment? Without doubt, the most important thing that you can do is to register to vote and vote. We need to hold our elected officials accountable for the positions that they take on environmental issues. We as voters are not asking the right questions of candidates for office. We need to make these candidates commit to what their positions are on the environment and then hold their feet to the fire to force them to meet those commitments. The Council is a nonprofit organization. That means we are a charity. We truly depend on the kindness of strangers to financially support the organization either through donation or through volunteering their time. 
Joe, thank you so much for sitting down with us today and talking about everything that the Clean Air Council is working on. I just want to make a plug for people to follow you on Twitter because they can not only get your daily musings, but they can get important information they can use to help protect a healthy environment. Joe's Twitter handle is at Head Breather. Katie, thank you so much for inviting me to do my first podcast. I really enjoyed it, and hopefully you'll give me a second chance. Now in its 15th year, Clean Air Council's GreenFest Philly, presented by Toyota Hybrids, is Philadelphia's largest environmental festival. Bobby Safransky, Special Events Director, is here to tell us more about this year's virtual festival and putting on an event during a pandemic. Hi, Bobby. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast with us. Now, tell us a little bit about GreenFest. What makes it so important to the Philadelphia region? GreenFest is so important because it's, it's the place that you can go to learn about sustainability. As a college student, I went there to learn what companies are sustainable, where I could maybe get a job after college, but more importantly, just to see what little things I can do to live more sustainably and all of the biggest and most prominent environmental organizations, whether they're nonprofit, for-profit, end up showing up to GreenFest. And so it's great to just walk through and kind of get a little bit of everything. That sounds really impressive. If you had to ballpark about how many organizations and businesses get involved with GreenFest each year? Every year we end up with, on average, around 100. And um, a lot of them end up coming every year. But, but every year we also get some new ones, some new and exciting things. That's great. So I have to ask the question because we're in the middle of a pandemic. But how is GreenFest going to happen this year? This year will be very different. It's it is going to be all virtual. We're trying to make it give the appearance uh, or the feel of what someone might take away from walking through GreenFest. So over a two-week period between September 12th and the 27th, we'll have an array of virtual content. So we'll have webinars, live streams, videos, all hosted on our website and on our Facebook page. And uh, by the end of it, depending on how, how much you want to participate, you can easily get 10, 15, 20 different interactions with, with organizations and learn quite a bit. A little birdie told me that you had upwards of 22 organizations involved and in putting on things like webinars, Facebook Lives, podcasts. So I can't wait to see some of this content. So let's talk favorites. From the food demonstrations to the shopping, vendors play a key part every year. How are you getting businesses involved in this year's virtual GreenFest? What are they doing? Um, businesses are doing a lot of really interesting things. Every year when we start planning GreenFest, we obviously turn to the people we worked with the year before, but we also have kind of a laundry list of, of organizations that we really wanted to work with in previous years. So we like reaching out to new people and making new friends and trying to get these new connections to be part of GreenFest. And the virtual GreenFest is, is really no exception. Uh, we started with just a list of, of people we wanted to work with. We're very excited to work with Biophilly to do a living air conditioning demonstration and talk which is something that is really important to me. Living out in West Philly, it gets very, very hot in the summer and I don't have air conditioning. So their whole goal is to try to use plants and trees to cool not only your house or your block, but to use it as a way to, to combat the heat island effect that affects Philadelphia. That's so cool. I would love to lower my Pico bill, as would many listeners, I'm sure. 
Toyota Hybrids have been a longtime sponsor of Greenfest Philly. What's their role in this year's event? They are, again, the presenting sponsor. Uh, we've worked with Toyota for, this is the seventh year, and they've been a great partner allowing us to, to grow these events and make them as great as they are. And even in this, uh, this time, they've kind of stuck with us and have had a real commitment to sustainability to keep supporting us, even though the event has changed so much. I heard that they're doing a virtual test drive so people can test out one of their hybrid vehicles from the comfort and safety of their own home. Yeah, it should be pretty fun. I've never done a test drive virtually, but this will be a fun chance for people to to really get a bird's eye view of what all the different features of the cars are. And then they can they can even ask the hybrid expert at the end whatever question they want. So I think it will really go into the, the technical side of, of what hybrids do why they're so great for the environment, and specifically about the Toyota vehicles that they're gonna be featuring. That sounds really cool. I'll never forget the time I got to ride in the Fuel Cell Mirai vehicle and how impressive that was. So Bobby, my favorite part of GreenFest is the community. I love the idea that everyone in Philly who cares about the environment can find each other through this event. How are you building on those connections in a post-COVID-19 world? We're really trying to use social media to, to bring people together. Uh, we started this with the Run for Clean Air when we were really, we switched to a virtual run and we were really trying to get people to post about their race and kind of talk about their training and get people just communicating. You know, they can't do it in person. So we we're trying to build that platform. And with GreenFest, we're really trying with every, every presentation, every live stream, every webinar to have a, a component of interaction involved so that people can ask questions because that's really what GreenFest was always all about, was going from booth to booth, asking questions, learning things, um, and interacting with, uh, with Philadelphia's most sustainable companies. Well, I can tell you, I'm really excited about these vegan cooking demos. What are you the most excited about this year? I'm really excited about um, all the different kinds of organizations we're working with. In a normal GreenFest, you know, you can't, you can't have a booth that's dedicated to an ecologist talking about pollinators and the pesticides that affect them. But in a virtual event like this, they can take a couple hours out of their day to stop and do a webinar and talk about that. And I'm really excited about the different kinds of conversations that we're gonna facilitate by having all these different kinds of people as part of GreenFest. Cool, how about Green Quizzo? What's on the line there and how can people form teams to play? Uh, I'm really excited about Green Quizzo. I think what's really on the line for it is bragging rights. You know, who knows the most about sustainability? Who knows the most about sustainability within Philadelphia? Like what is Philadelphia doing that's sustainable? Now's your chance to see who knows the answer to that. Well, I think in the clean air office, we're gonna have some really healthy competition. Yeah, yeah, we have to decide whether we have a clean air team or if maybe we split it up by uh, department. Ooh, department. <laughs> so this has been great. I feel like I've learned a lot more about what's going on at GreenFest this year, and there are a couple cool things I really can't wait to check out. How can other people get involved? Well, if you go to our website, cleanair.org GreenFest, you can find out about the schedule of events. You can RSVP on our Facebook page. We have a Facebook event that will list all of the live streams, webinars that are gonna happen. And you can, you can get involved with the Clean Air Council because ultimately GreenFest is two weeks of the year, but Clean Air Council is working towards uh, a cleaner environment all year long. 
Bobby, thanks so much for coming on today. And this has been On Air with Clean Air Council. Thanks for having me. I'm Katie Edwards, and thanks for listening to On Air with Clean Air Council today. To learn more about the council, visit cleanair.org. To follow us on social media, visit at Clean Air Council at Facebook and at Clean Air Council at Twitter. To learn more about GreenFest, visit cleanair.org backslash GreenFest. You can follow GreenFest on Facebook for all the up-to-date information at GreenFest Philly. You can also follow us on Twitter at GreenFest Philly.